0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Crypto Hipster Podcast. This is your host, Jamil Hassan, the Crypto Hipster, where I bring you founders, entrepreneurs, executives, thought leaders, executives. I already said executives twice. Artists, musicians, (laughs) you name it. All over the world in crypto and blockchain. And today I have an amazing guest, and I forgot to ask him how I pronounce his last name before we start. So I'm going to give it a go. Um, Yes. Bogdan Habik, right? Habitur, Habitur.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bogdan but it's very correct. It's very correct. My name is especially the Bogdan Park people usually ask how to pronounce it. It's one of the easier Slavic names to pronounce.
0: So I had a, I had a professor in college, Kahit Sharu, had the uh, little underscore yeah. under the C. He was great. Yeah. Um but you you are the Chief Technology Officer and the co-founder of Tenderly. Um and I'm looking forward to getting into what you guys are doing. Um, the first question I'll have for you today is this, is what is your background and is it a logical background for what you're doing now?
1: Yeah, I I find this question interesting, especially like when you ask founders, et cetera, because we're all extremely, or not extremely, we're all, all good. We're fine at a certain thing that we do. For me, it was engineering, but then kind of you have to wear multiple hats. So you develop, you discover that you have certain affinities you were aware of. So my background. Is engineering so training in engineering and then professional experience around nine or ten years of distributed systems. That was mostly it. But then as then really grew, I was doing customer support, marketing up to a certain point, sales at a certain point as well. And then as we, uh, as people who are much better than me and all of those things, joined the team, it has been scoped more and more. So right now, I'm helping companies how to leverage our tech to you uh, to realize their goals. What well, this basically means. Is a bunch of zoom calls and a bunch of chats with people from the space and helping them out sometimes even not with tenderly but generally just to achieve what they want to do
0: I one point was um as a project leader i held all kind of calls for for that so i understand <laughs> so um so what is what is tenderly all about and how have you how have you accomplished building scaling and maintaining very large scale distributed cloud systems that um to achieve success
1: sure so uh tenderly started as a hackathon project i think like multiple multiple things in this space so how it started out is uh, we we're actually in a web tech company at that point and there's four of us co-founders so Nebusha, one of the four of us, uh, drinking the Kool Aid. He was uh, giving birth to Crypto Kitties in 2017 or something like that. So he was earning money on the side by giving birth to virtual cats. And we said I'm going to have to swear for uh, for this one, but we're going to say we said like Web three is bullshit. Like this makes no sense at all. Mm-hmm. Like you're giving birth to Crypto Cats. And there was a hackathon. We we're from Serbia, so in Eastern Europe. There was a blockchain hackathon, and he said, "Let's go there, so you guys can see what it is all about." So we went there and I always tell this joke, but we said, if we win this thing, it's like going to a church choir competition where we're both not religious and don't know how to sing. That was the assumption. But during those 48 hours, something clicked for us, we were building a completely different thing, what we're building right now. And fast forward five years of startup, cringe startup stories of working from garages and late nights and everything else. We end up here where tenderly is a full stack developer infrastructure platform so what does that actually mean for people in the space and out of the space who actually want to develop on web3 a bunch of tools and services to help people either be more productive or not needing to reinvent the wheel i like to put we three reinventing wheels so other people don't have to and the alternative to the passing shovels narrative that a lot of people in the space are are using, but uh, what we're most known for is debugging, uh, observability, so monitoring, alerting, and maybe the most famous thing that we actually invented, if we want to use that term, is simulations, which increases security by telling you what will happen when you submit something on-chain even before you submit it on-chain at all. So that's what Tangerly is about. And then the cool thing is that, coming back maybe to the first question, out of four of us, we all had different, uh, different natural affinities to things. So Nebushi did the low level, uh, low level deep tech stuff. So he is very proficient in tech. Sometimes we don't understand him. He did all of the initial, very deep, uh, VM work. So he was, uh, he was doing that, and he's leading R and D right now. Andre is a natural born leader. I know that also sounds cringe, but when you're in a room with him, you you will understand. So is the CEO. And then uh, Milan, who was a front-end engineer when we started Tenderly out, uh, how would they say, graduated to a COO position because he was the most organized out of all of us when it came to all of the red tape bureaucracy organizations and everything else. And then finally, for me, it was the scaling uh, scaling systems and everything else, leading the engineering team. But then, again, natural affinities. uh, I err on the side of being... Extremely high touch when it comes to human beings, and I think that's a very good thing. So, I'm probably like over 200 chats at this point with different users from the space, like group chats, very direct, where we
0: talk web3 stuff and help each other out. You know, um, we talked a little bit before the project got started about you know some of these uh scam influencers, right? And um, I think this comes in uh, to play now. Over the past week, I've seen um, a lot of influencers do well with this thing called Friend Tech. I don't really know I what guess, it is. Yeah. To me, I'm 52. Friend Tech is Facebook, you know. Um, <laughs> but you know, you said you have to have a high level of emotional and relationship intelligence, you know, in order in order to be successful in the space. And I don't see like Friend Tech the need to being social at all. I just see people having followers, right? What's the, what's the real importance of having that emotional, um, intelligence quotient that you have, uh, to, to help build your company?
1: Yeah, I think, so how we develop this, maybe it's more, or actually let me start by tackling the frantic part first. I, I think it's extremely genius that they show you your worth. I'm using your quotes here for the people listening only to audio. Uh, I I registered because people said the onboarding user experience is good. It's extremely good. And I do check it three times a day to see how much my keys are worth. It is interesting. Like it is a dopamine hit or the opposite of a dopamine hit when you see someone sold your key and you're like, ah, you don't trust in me like you don't trust in my shares or whatever. But it is interesting to onboard non-Web3 people into the space to play around a bit. But coming back to the emotional part, we developed it in the previous startup that we were a part of. We weren't founders, but we were part of the core engineering team. Uh, there, the one of the most important teams was actually support, even though it, uh, it was a developer tooling company as well. And it was drilled into our head that you should go above and beyond, even at the damage of the company, like uh, to help users out. And at that point, we saw people send us recipes, like people from Japan sending us, Japanese food recipes or people uh, translating jokes to us from different languages. So something completely not work-related where they would they would just reach out because they felt like they have a friend or like an actual human being and not the ticketing system behind it. So coming back to how important it is in this ecosystem, I've never seen, seen such a welcoming but also aggressive group of people. But it is very interesting that if you're nice and have that Let's call it emotional intelligence or whatever we want. You end up in a sub-niche bubble of the web free space where pe- people are the most helpful and nicest that than I ever saw like in my life ever. I I missed two of my and this will sound like a tangent. But I missed two of my birthdays due to traveling for work for the past two years. Last year, Faku from Yearn. Uh, it was during devcon in bogota he organized a birthday lunch for me like with people from the space completely without me asking for anything and like random people at the conference who i don't know came up to me and told me happy birthday because someone told them it's my birthday so i think like that's why i like this space so much plus the engineering
0: stuff as well of course awesome so one of the things you mentioned earlier was you mentioned debugging, right? And I want to get into yeah. all of your tools. You have tools that I noticed are called debugger and gas profiler, right? How do they work? Uh, how's, how does that all work and how does it work in the market?
1: Yeah, that's a very good question. So uh, we were one of the first debuggers in the space. Remix was there before us, of course. Uh, which was helping people at the lower level than we did. Lower level, I mean on the stack. I don't mean in the the sense of the complexity itself. So if you remember coming back to the hackathon story from the beginning, the original Tenderly wasn't Tenderly that we have today. It was an on-chain application, just like any other decentralized app right now or whatever. And the problem that we had coming from Web2, it felt like crawling on broken glass. So the first thing that we did as an internal tool is a debugger where it tells us where the transaction failed. Like that was some, the first thing that we built at this point five years ago. And time really does fly. Uh, so we open source that because instead of wasting like eight hours to find the mistake that we made, it took us like 10 minutes or so. So the debugger and gas profiler, what do they actually do is they help people find bugs very quickly, or even better prevent exploits by seeing exactly what's happening in the transaction, which I think is much more relevant today maybe than knowing why a transaction failed. Uh, Gas Profiler, if retail is gonna come, transactions cannot cost 20 bucks, uh, definitely. So the Gas Profiler helps people find places where they can have more optimized code to drive the cost down, basically. And the way that we're trying to democratize this as much as possible was with something that we call DevNets, which is while a developer is developing locally on their laptop, they have all of these tools, which is, by the way, a given in Web 2. And it's not a given in Web 3. But they have all of our tools locally working, working on it with the different soft. They have all of the production data available. And I always give an example of imagine that you're integrating Stripe in Web 2. And you want to, test out if charging a credit card works. So what you can actually do is charge the credit card, you receive the estimate, like the bank takes off the money, whatever, but with our tools, you can just revert it and that's it. So your actual bank account took the money away from your account, et cetera. But with Devnets, you can just reverse time, basically look at it like a time machine. So all of my production data, which is my actual bank account, the actual Stripe system, the telco sending me the estimates, the money has been taken from my account, We basically fake all of that, that you can use it locally with all of the real world values.
0: You started in 2018. um, And you're saying Mm -hmm. the $20 transaction fee. But the price of Ethereum, if I remember correctly, was like 99 bucks, right? So your margins must have been razor slim, right? So how'd you stay in the game? You know,
1: because sure. so yeah, I'm even going to confuse it maybe even more. So, the debugger and guest profiler are completely free. So, all of the developer tooling parts of Tenderly are completely free and will be free forever because we see developer tooling as a public good. And that's one part. The second part is engineers don't like paying for tools. <laughs> but uh, basically, if we look at it, if you look at it that way, When we started in 2018 we didn't expect this to be a business for the first couple of months definitely it was a side project that we were doing then we were like hey let's try this out we have enough savings to live for two years each one of us let's quit our jobs and try to make this into a company we started working on those things and the debugger and guest profiler were just some things in the meantime we worked on the alerting and monitoring so waking you up in the middle of the night if an exploit is happening or whatever Uh, the simulations I mentioned and all of that stuff, those things are the things that we charge for, uh, and that's how we succeeded. And then in 2021, we actually did three rounds of financing, uh, three rounds of financing in the same, in a single year. Uh, so yeah, but it is definitely a business. We're not one of those companies that will have a token or will live off VC money forever. Got
0: it. Okay. Thank you. Um, So let's talk about, you know, you are building infrastructure. So what's the current state of Web3 infrastructure um, and the long-term potential? And then um, I'll follow up from there. Sure. So the current
1: state, uh, I I guess, depending on which ecosystem you ask, I can only speak to the broader EVM ecosystem and not maybe because there's the stuff like Solana, there's a bunch of different, like Polkadot, et cetera. So I can definitely talk mostly about the EVM ecosystem. I think in the current state, we definitely saw like the L2s, like optimism, arbitrum picking up. And that definitely, I think brought some mainstream adoption, but keyword is some, not like the actual ones that we were expecting, expecting everyone on the street, having a wallet on their mobile phone and, and transacting and like my mom using it. I always look at it from the perspective of once my mom starts using this thing, that's when it's actually successful. But uh with the current state, the things that we really like that are happening are definitely like the zero knowledge proof rollups, which is a very interesting way to, to have scalability in the ecosystem to have more transactions. But then also very interesting one is uh, app chains, which is the like L3 narrative that if web two is ever gonna come to web three, the idea is that Starbucks' is of the world, Nike's of the world, etc. won't be using the public L2s and L1s, so they won't be using Ethereum mainnet or Polygon, they won't be using Arbitrum or Optimism, but they will spin up their own network, uh, their own network where they basically have only their transactions and their ecosystem of applications. And then the next technological thing that we need to solve is how we connect all of these different chains where each company is a chain of itself, basically that's doing something and the company that we really like and that we're partnering with is conduit what they basically do is like a roll-up as a service where in a couple of clicks you can spin up your own your own network where um for example Zora the nft marketplace they have now their own chain called Zora Network which was spun up uh, over conduit and suddenly the fees are much lower. Like everything is much easier to use. The user experience is much better. The transactions don't cost 40 bucks for a free NFT. It's like a couple of cents at like at most. So we see the app chain narrative is something to keep keep a close eye on in the next like year, year and a half. Although the at the speed the space is moving, it might be three months. But but yeah, for the next year, year and a half, we think like those things are Uh, Definitely an interesting topic
0: to look out for. So a common theme, a common uh, I held belief is that people say is that if Gary Gensler and the SEC just got out of our way, we'd be able to thrive. Um, While I agree, that's partially true, right? Uh, We need to achieve other things, right, to get the industry to that spot where everything is, you know, brought to web3 right to achieve that potential what else needs to happen in addition to the sec getting out of the way even if they don't yeah sure I, I think there's a couple of things so
1: that there's definitely the financial aspect of web3 which plays a huge part i think DeFi right now and maybe NFTs at this point but DeFi is the only thing that found product market fit within our market so not even within the mainstream i'm saying within our market it found product market fit Uh, even if the worst happens and and we can never have crypto tokens, which, by the way, I don't think that's a a future that will happen. But even in that state, blockchain as a piece of technology is amazing. So as long as it doesn't fall on all of the tests that, that these entities use to see if something is a security, if something is whatever, it's still a very good piece of technology that can be used. For example, I know cryptography and and like end-to-end encryption, we still have it. It's so beneficial, WhatsApp, Telegram, etc. We all use these tools daily, and we're not aware that these things exist, or at least like my mom isn't aware that these things exist in the background, and they're keeping them safe. I can see the future where blockchain definitely can be that security, additional security layer, even if it doesn't end up being uh, a way to transfer value. Although, of course, we all hope that We will live in a future where the transfer of value is the main main benefit of blockchain and Web3. So I guess, yes, the regulations are definitely one part and I cannot speak to that. I'm an engineer, not a lawyer. So everything I know is from Twitter and I know four parallel realities depending on which echo chamber I fall into when I refresh the page. So I wouldn't say I'm an expert there. But other than that, there's so much user experience work that needs to happen. There's so much additional infrastructure work that needs to happen. Uh, and finally, people, I uh, think I agree. Why Frantic is interesting is because it's an app that my friends can understand who are not from the space. We need
0: more of those applications so people actually take notice. Yeah. I. Uh, it's interesting you say that about lawyers because, and, and you mentioned early on about CryptoKitties because. I was a, I was, back in 2018 I was consulting a company and a CEO who was like a patent troll company and they had portfolios upon portfolios on recommending crypto mm-hmm. kitties and their lawyer threw me out the door <laughs> so <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> back they could have done well but hey, you know we learn live and learn so um, there's another there's another thing you haven't touched on uh, yet and I mm-hmm. think it's true and I want to get your perspective on this because you are a technologist and a developer is there seems to be, a global shortage of blockchain developers, right? Um, what's the implication of that shortage and how does what, what, what does it have, the impact it has on Web3 future?
1: Sure. Um, so I guess it also depends which part of the world you're in. I guess at the global scale, there's definitely a shortage, but the thing, and I think we will talk briefly about this a bit later, but like coming from uh, Serbia, which is an undeveloped technological ecosystem, uh, it is interesting that we got, I'm going to dive a bit deeper later on this, but we got our time in the spotlight kind of for these things. And it's a similar thing in India, for example, with Polygon and so many, like Polygon, Instadap, like a, a bunch of DeFi projects coming from India, etc. So it's interesting that there are certain pockets, if you ever had it, like a heat map of the world in Web3 developers, that weren't the usual That's uh, for innovation, Let's put it. let's put it that way. But there's definitely a shortage. Uh, AI isn't helping in the sense of all of the developers whose brain works, what's the current hype, and just go to that hype. They were here in the space in 2021. They're using the chat GPT API right now in 2023. So we see this happening more and more. IoT before that, uh, Kubernetes Cloud's native, and like all of the cloud stuff before that the there's this this migration of interest for developers, I guess, over time. Uh, the way to address the global shortage, I guess, would be during college education, having stuff around blockchain, definitely. I remember, I mean, if any company does, and again, I'm using air code here, indoctrination extremely well at Microsoft. I did high school for computer science. You can specialize at high school level in Serbia. We were learning C-sharp at the age of what, 13, 14. So it was like the first ecosystem I got into while I didn't know ecosystems exist. Like C-sharp for me was similar to C or C++ or whatever. I didn't understand that I'm using a piece of tech owned by a private company or a public but owned by a company at that point. So once we actually start having like blockchain at the like high school level or college level or whatever, at that point, we will not have a problem with shortage. Right now, how to attract engineers, I think, I can say this as an engineer myself, we are ego-driven creatures in the sense of if we have trouble understanding something, we're always driven to come closer to it. Uh, Something similar to Icarus, I guess. So just showing how many interesting engineering problems exist in the space and we will solve the shortage. And then implications right now, I guess it's just harder to persuade people to come into the space. Like the FTX thing, for example, that happened, I'm not at all diving into the financial implications. I just have a couple of developer friends who wanted to take out Web3 for a spin like during their hobby weekend projects. And after that thing happened, they're like, ah, this is a Ponzi and that's it. Like the optics right now are maybe harder than they were two years ago. But also, I mean, being founder of a Web3 company, I'm quite sure very soon that will go away and we'll have more talented individuals and teams coming into the space.
0: Yep, I I'm gonna ask you about Serbia. Um, but I wanna I wanna ask you first. Um For sure. uh you said optics. Um yeah. yeah, the optics from the person who doesn't understand the space isn't good, but with any new technology in any new industry, you have to be able to put on those see-through glasses and look through the optics, you know? Yeah. What suggestions do you have to people who who to to you know put on those uh put on those shades? And look see and see through the optics. What are your what's your recommendation to them how to do it?
1: I'm guessing depending on what that person does. Like if it's an engineer, it's literally just send a transaction. The the moment it clicked for me. I remember coming again back to the 48 hour hackathon. It was the first evening. And I think we we're like two or three beers in. And that was explaining proof of work to us at that point. And I remember he was explaining mining. And then at one point I asked, like, so wait, all of the computers in the world do the same thing that that one computer did again to validate. And he was like, yeah. And I said, it's so dumb. Like, it makes no sense. It's so inefficient. Like, the engineer in me was screaming. But, like, the next morning when we started prototyping the thing, when I sent the transaction and realized that all of the computers in the world did the same thing because I've sent it, so it was the same thing, but you felt it under your fingertip, and at that point it clicked for me. So for engineers, it's mostly like, show me the code and that's it. And then for non-engineering folk, I would guess a couple of things. If you're coming from a country that at any point had inflation, embargoes, didn't have Western Union or has only Western Union, sending money across borders without having like fifteen percent taken off by fees, is extremely powerful, like extremely powerful. That would be one way. And then another way is maybe doing some lending, not borrowing and lending, but going to, I don't know, Instadap or or uh, Lido or whatever and doing some staking, light like staking and seeing the number go up. Like I, I onboarded a couple of people by, they put money into staked ETH. And they would refresh the application like four or five times a day just to see the decimals going up. That's, I think, a very, very powerful way to, to show it as well. And then having the ergonomics be easier for product teams. And when I say product teams, I mean designers, product managers, engineers To from Web2 to test out Web3 because sending the transaction right now is easy. But what we're trying to do at Stenderly is... Making the thing look as much as Web two as possible, and then using the
0: benefits of Web three to make it even cooler. So, yeah, I was um, for a number of years I was a SQL dev. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, you don't use <laughs> SQL free three, so I don't. I don't want to go back to Web two. So I'm here. Uh, you. Know, yeah. you. <laughs> um, and you mentioned Serbia, and I want to get a lay of the land, right? Um. What's the lay of the land, you know, um, in Serbia for Web three? Um, how are how are you going to help? How are you helping, you know, benefit the industry's future?
1: Sure. So a thing to note: so Serbia is in Eastern Europe for a very long time, and I, I think it's still still the situation. We have been mostly been a uh, IT service company in the sense of we had outsourcing teams doing outsourcing work for larger companies. Uh, then, at a certain point, companies like Microsoft and, and several others open up developer centers here because the engineering talent is extremely good here. Like the engineering talent generally in Eastern Europe. So, this is like it isn't a Serbia specific thing. I guess because math and computer science, et cetera, are, are taught kind of early on in school. So, I guess people find it affinity before college. So, you kind of start out earlier and you have a head start compared to your friends abroad. So when Web3 started, uh, enough people mined at the beginning of 2010, uh, and electricity was cheap enough that those people that had that amount of money that they got from mining at, at a certain point said, hey, I believe in decentralization, so let's open up Web3 companies. Let's try out these crazy ideas. I have money. I don't have to work. Like I'm, I'm already set for life. I'm going to open up companies and try out building Web3 products. That was, I guess, the initial the, the initial push for all of those things. And then as people are driven to tough engineering problems, us being an engineering country, people saw, hey, this thing feels like falling on broken glass. We like that. That's a tough challenge. We can take that down. And basically those engineers started building products on top of it. And then... Uh, well, at this point, almost ten years later, <laughs> if we think about it, you have multiple companies, not just Tenderly. So, like a huge part of Polygon was here. Like Mihalovjevic, one of the co-founders, is from Serbia. We had the previous company; we were actually colleagues. Uh, DeFi Saver is another one. Tempest, um, Streamflow, uh, Solar—like there's a bunch of teams. I'm, I'm quite sure I missed more than more than a few. NFTizer, like a bunch of them, because we felt that hey, this is a global stage that we can leave a mark on. And again, we saw a similar thing in Argentina. We saw a similar thing in Brazil. We saw a similar thing in India. I guess for these countries, the value proposition the Web3 clicked a bit faster than maybe for other people. And then good engineering talent as well. And you combine those two and tada, you you get this. So yeah, and we're trying a lot to invest here into education of people to... Understand Web three, working with colleges a bit as well. We did a full on seminar for for people to actually do hands on stuff with Web three, et cetera. So that's kind of the
0: situation. And what is your what is you know from a regulatory perspective in you know Serbia? What is what's the lay of the land there? Uh, you being you receiving support from the government? Is a fight like what what? How do you compare it to the US? <clears throat> again not
1: a lawyer especially to do a comparison would be extremely hard for me uh we can accept crypto payments which has been extremely useful for us as a company uh we have crypto atms around the city not a lot of them but quite a few i remember during the previous bull market there were queues in like convenience stores and supermarkets that had those and you actually had people 60 something, 70 something or whatever that you wouldn't expect buying Bitcoin buying Ethereum, buying this stuff because you could have bought it with a credit card or cash Uh, now when it comes to regulation itself again um, I actually don't know even how much the capital gains tax is to be honest Uh, I I think it's okay-ish but I I have no idea to be honest there but yeah I, I guess coming back to it's more important the people that you work around and and like the teams that are being made, and then innovation
0: finds a way always. Yeah, I, I look at the world map, and I see Serbia, I see Ukraine, I see Turkey having yeah. developers. Turkey, right now. yeah,
1: Turkey is an amazing. Yeah, yeah, is a very large one as well. Yeah,
0: great, Um awesome. So yeah, I don't like taxes either. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I didn't say that. I said, I don't know what the capital gains tax is. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I I, I want to I thank you um, very much for your time today. This has been a conversation. Um, I am going to f- research more about your tools and, you know, um, and uh, yeah, I, I enjoy being Web3, even though, you know, I'm one of the few in my where I live. But hey, um, so, last question is this is um how can people find out more information about you about tenderly about your team um how can they be uh, clients or customers of yours how can they do that sure so best place to
1: start is either our twitter so at tenderly app or our website tenderly.co but a thing where i i think it's much more powerful than reading a bunch of marketing materials and other stuff is word of mouth so if you are an In a product or engineering team in Web3, if you're a product person, ask your engineer what Tenderly is. There's a fairly large chance that they will tell you what Tenderly is. And if you're an engineer and you don't know what Tenderly is, just go to our documentation, not even to the landing page, and go wild. I think you're going to have a very fun and productive time.
0: Awesome. Thank you very much for your time today. Oh, thank you so much for having me.